Welcome back to the All Ball Podcast. We're going to break down the games that happened last night, the games that are happening tonight, and the game that's happening on Thursday night between the Wizards and the Pacers. We're also going to get into our top 15 NBA players going into the playoffs. But before that, we're going to start with the games that happened last night. First, we're going to do the Hornets and the Pacers. So, Justin, what do you think about that game? I mean, this was a classic case of a young team that just wasn't ready for the moment. And compared to a veteran heavy team with experience in the playoffs like the Pacers, and that's what you get. They went, the, the Charlotte Hornets just came out uninspired and just weren't ready. They went down 25 to 12 in under six minutes. And Indiana was 10 of 20 from three in the first half. And when you look at this Hornets team, it kind of makes sense because the only guy that you could point to in like that guy's playoff experience, he's been there before, he's done this, is Gordon Hayward. But he was out for the game and he's been yeah. out since early April. No, Hayward has really sent this team sort of in a tailspin. You know, you look back a couple months ago and they were in a way better position. I think they've only won about a third of their games without him. I think um, I think another thing just about like the quality of the game in general that I was thinking about last night is that, you know, the 9-10, especially in the East, are just are they're bottom half teams. You know, they're below average NBA teams. So I'm not necessarily shocked that it wasn't the highest quality of play. Um, and especially with the Hornets, who had really been in a tailspin, because even the Pacers were kind of a mess, and Levert sat, and, you know, they had the whole coach thing going on, and they looked like the way better team. And I do think the Pacers are a bit dangerous. I mean, yeah, this is a team that was, I think, the four or five seed last year, and they didn't really lose anybody. They've lost, they had people out because of injury, with TJ Warren missing most, if not the entire season. Miles Turner's been out for a while. Karis Levert, like you said, who didn't play in this game, and was ruled out about five hours before the game even happened due to COVID protocol. I, I yeah, they just overcame all of that, and they, the Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis, those guys that have been there were able to lift them up. And Charlotte just consistently had mental lapses on defense. I think the epitome of this was at the end of the third quarter, TJ McConnell, the paces up the ball and TJ McConnell cuts from the baseline from the left to right side, going through the paint and two guys from the Hornets just pass him off. Nobody picks him up. He gets the ball in the short mid range area. He turns and two guys are in the paint, nobody around him. And he gets an easy buzzer beater mid range shot just to seal another, another quarter where they just dominated. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I think, uh, I think what you said is true. The wizards just weren't necessarily ready. Um, you mean, sorry, you mean the, the Hornets point. rather. Yeah. The Hornets. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, you know, I think I think you sort of look at a team like maybe the Grizzlies last year who were super young and they're just fortunate to be in that playing situation. And, uh, you know, look, when you're uh, in the Hornets shoes, they definitely outperformed expectations and they uh, can't have been expected to actually make noise in the real playoffs themselves. So, you know, ultimately the season's a win. Of course, that game was maybe not as close as you would have liked, but uh you know, still not bad. Yeah, no. I mean, if you told them going into the season they'd be in the playing tournament, I think if you're a Hornets fan, you take it. You'd like to. You like the stretches you've seen from from Lamelo. Even the fact that they're still in there with Gordon Hayward being out, with Lamelo missing a good chunk of the second half of the season, this team still was able to reach there. It's not. The, it's not how you would like to end it. It's a really sour ending to what should have been a building block season. Yep, And I know that the Hornets have had way too many of those where you see like this team looks like they might be turning the right way. We'll see where this goes because they now they have star power with LaMelo and what he's able to bring throughout the entire team through his playmaking, whether it's getting Miles Bridges on lobs, whether he's getting PJ Washington, the ball, Gordon Hayward, who 
is a facilitator in of it in of it himself. But I, in this game, they were just not ready for it. They just didn't come out inspired. They didn't come out with the sense of urgency that you saw from the Pacers in this game. Yeah, and I think just before we move away from this game and on to the second game of the night, I do want to say, as the person who gave out Jokic plus 3,600 uh, at, the, at the start of this season for MVP, I'm going to make an early pick for MVP next year with Sabonis. Um, I think that... His stats this season, 20 points per game, 12 rebounds, six and a half assists. Uh, you know, a- after the All-Star break, 20 points, 13 rebounds, seven and a half assists. He's doing it on good percentages, both uh, from inside and outside the arc. Um, and I just think that the Pacers, when they have all their players back, you know, when they have a Warren back and a Levert for the full season, they uh, turn her back and then they figure out their coaching situation. This is a team that could – uh, be right back in the top four, three teams in the East. And that's sort of what you need to uh, be an MVP. And I think that, you know, I'm not sure how much people are going to be talking about him. Um, so I think it'll be one of those things like Jokic this past year that uh, I think it's, it's a good long shot to consider because he's putting up ridiculous numbers and the team should be a lot better next season. I agree with the sentiment and the point because this is a big man similar to Jokic where he's able to dish, he's able to facilitate, he gets those assist numbers, he puts up efficient numbers through points, and he's a beast on the boards. He had over 20 rebounds last night. I'm just weary that he'll be able to put up the points that Jokic does with all four of those guys back seemingly with Brog, well, Brogdon's still there, but Miles Turner will be back, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren. It's, it's one ball, and to facilitate around – I don't know if he'll be able to put up those 20, the 25 plus that you really look for in your, in your MVP from a points per game perspective. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, yeah. you know, not a lot of people like Jokic for the season. It's going to be hard to, um, you know, these are long shot picks. Oh yeah. People I, are going to have a problem uh, for whatever you say and for some of these long shots. So yeah, you know, just something that I would keep an eye on depending on what the odds open at, you might want to take. I, I could definitely see that. That's a team that, like you said, is like pretty. If you if the East say, stays the same as it is, they this is a team that with Miami, I would consider in the running for that four spot in the conference, and that is around where you want them to be, three or four spot at least. Yeah, you got you got to be around top four to, mm-hmm. to win MVP for the most part. So now heading into the second game of the night, the Washington Wizards lost to the Boston Celtics. And in the wise words of a philosopher, Stephen A. Smith, Jason Tatum is a bad man. Damn. Damn. Whether it was in the post, top of the key, in the lane, or from deep, Tatum was just money. Money. He was also living at the line when he wasn't just cashing in from wherever. The Boston, I mean, the Wizards just had literally zero options to stop this guy. Yep. Yeah, it was a, an amazing performance. It's exactly what they would have needed from what the Celtics would have needed from Tatum, especially with no with no Jalen Brown. And so you need Tatum to have that performance to clearly be the best player on the floor, and he was every bit of that. So uh, yeah, I was super impressed. Um, so good for them. You know, they lock in that matchup with Brooklyn. Um, certainly an uphill battle don't really expect it to go their way, but, uh, you know, an impressive performance nonetheless in what's been a pretty underwhelming Celtic season. Yeah. I mean, the like Tatum amazing all night, but I also want to give props to Marcus Smart started off hot shot then wasn't falling and he didn't force anything instead. I, I think in the third, he had a literally wide open three. Like there was, 
I got to say like five feet between him and the next and like the nearest defender. And he decided to swing the ball one more time to Aaron Neesmith on the left wing. And he drilled a three. And that's just something that you don't really expect out of Marcus Smart. Similar to he's similar to Russell Westbrook in the idea that they're poor shooters that just shoot a bunch. And the fact that in that moment, in this key spot, he saw another guy and just passed it, dished it off to him and, I haven't looked at the splits between Neesmith and Smart, but Smart I know isn't an isn't an efficient three point shooter. Yeah, Neesmith is definitely a better shooter. And I, I agree. And I also thought Kemba looked alive for mm-hmm. for some of the game as well. I mean, you never know, you know, it's hard to tell, especially in the NBA regular season, which is really not that important. Um, that, you know, yeah, the Celtics look terrible in the regular season. But who knows? Like some of these teams can just turn it on. And it's the same reason that people are still picking the Lakers to to make and win the finals, despite the fact they're the seventh seed and they had a terrible regular season. You know, I know they're getting healthy now, but you know, it's like you pick the Lakers and the Nets to play each other in the finals, a team that was injured all regular season, and another team that was injured all regular season never played with each other. So, um, look, it's possible that the Celtics could wake up. You know, with no Jalen Brown going up against the Nets, it's a bit of an impossible task. Uh, barring injuries but um you know they looked good they looked good and it was a win that they needed yeah um, I mean going back to what you're saying Kemba uh, both offensively offensively and defensively I thought was he was a really big key because you know Jason Tatum's gonna put up 30 you weren't expecting the 50 the extra 20 that you're getting from him but yeah. Kemba was really efficient on the on the night he drew consistently can drew, drew charges put Rui Achimura in foul trouble early in the first. And that's a guy that I think can match up with Tatum on the defensive end pretty well for this team. And it also allows Bradley Beal to not have to expend that energy. So the fact that he was able to take him off the court very early on was a a very big key. And then he was the one that was taking the burden of the load off of Jason Tatum in this game on the offensive end, just consistently hitting threes. Let's see. He was, he was six of 14 from three. (laughs) He was a little bit on 10 of 24 for the night, which is more than fine. 29 points. I mean, this is what you were looking for. And he's the guy that you pick on on defense. But the fact is he was consistently beating people to their spot and drawing charges or putting the putting the officials in the in the spot to have to call these charges. And I'm not sure why Washington wasn't a, wasn't attacking him on defense. It didn't feel like they were setting up for him to get switched on to them on defense as opposed when it was just you would see him in the corner just guarding Raul Neto or Ish Smith and these guys weren't coming up like at least like make them come up and set the screen for Bradley Beal and force well, a switch there so yeah so on the on the flip side of this game is, is the fact that the Wizards who have been amazing for a month or two looked pretty bad you know it starts with Westbrook and Beal obviously um I know at one point in the game the team was like one of you know 15 or whatever from three which is obviously not conducive to winning um not a great game from Westbrook, uh, not an amazing game from Beal either. And, you know, rather than harp on them too much because it is one game, I'm just going to ask you this. How do you feel about the game on Thursday? Who do you think is going to win? I think Washington. Uh, I I think this is a classic case of one, like, people, like Indiana will get overbet because they played against a – a team that shouldn't really be there in the, yeah, the Hornets, you know, yeah. in the Hornets and a team that wasn't ready. And they were just a lot more prepared for that situation. Meanwhile, Washington went against a Boston team that's been through all this. This is a team with a bunch of guys that have been to the Eastern conference finals that have been to the second round that have played in these tough games. And they had, a, they have a star that just went off. Jay, Bradley Beal still nursing his ankle injury that he looked to uh, 
aggravate a little bit. I want to point out uh, here. I'll ask you, well, who do you think is going to win Indiana or Washington? I would say, I would say the same, you know, um, these, it's just one game. I agree with what you just said. Like, yeah, the Pacers looked great against um, a Hornets team. That isn't great. And, and the Wizards looked bad. But like I said, like the way that the Wizards start one of 15 from three, you assume that wouldn't happen twice in a row. Um, obviously it can, and the game can go either way, but I'd have to agree with you. I think the Wizards will win. I, it'll be key to see whether or not Miles Turner is there. Obviously, he's a solid player, but he's their rim protector. He's the guy that's in the paint that is going to deter Westbrook. And there was a point in the broadcast where Marv Albert and Chris Weber were talking about Westbrook and like, what's going on? Why is he hitting shots? Like, why is he so inefficient from, I'm like, they're acting like it's, it's not the normal. This guy doesn't shoot well. And they consistently made him live at the live around the paint. And when he got into the paint, they were either forcing charges or they were contesting without fouling against him. And the ref swallowed their whistle a good bit, which I was happy to see that that's, you always get that sense, and we've seen it year in and year out, that the refs will swallow their whistle in the playoff more so than the regular season. But I, I, it's more for me, it's like I'll believe it when I see it and uh, because of how the game changes and evolves year after year. So well, the fact that they were doing that, I think, is was it. Well, but then on the other hand, you have Tatum shooting 17 free throws. I, I think it. Uh, I think it's one of those game-to-game, case-by-case bases. It is true that they call it a bit, uh, a bit looser, if you will, in the playoffs. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I agree. I think uh, it's sort of Westbrook's deal. I think we all sort of know Westbrook's deal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can be critical uh, on him for it, or you can like him in spite of it or appreciate yeah. him in spite of it. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what Wizards team shows up on Thursday because I do think they're more talented. Yeah, I was – when I was going through this and I was trying because I, I bet on the Wizards this game, it was more so I, I thought Westbrook's weakness would be easily matched more so than Kemba's. Like Kemba and the defensive end is such a mismatch for the Celtics to try and get to try and overcome. Yeah, especially with a team like the Wizards, who's two best players are guards. Exactly. You should be able to attack that day in and day out. But they, they can sit – and this is, again, I think the big part of like Rui out is the fact that they weren't – they had Raul Neto or Ish Smith on the court at all times, and those are the guys that are pretty much the same height as Kemba. That's a guy that they can easily match up with. And not saying that, like – I know Neto started out the game, but you could throw Rui, Westbrook, Beal, Bertans, and, like, Len or Robin Lopez and add that, but they, they weren't able to because they needed – because Rui was out and he only played 16 minutes in this entire game as opposed to – probably around 30, which is what he's more accustomed to. Agreed. But they will have to live with this and they will go to play for uh, go to play on against Charlotte. Loser goes home. Winner will play against the 76ers in round one. We both have the Wizards going going on. But now heading on to the West where their two playing games will happen tonight, starting out with the Spurs, who are 33 and 39, against the Grizzlies, who are 38 and 34. Now, when I was looking at this and I had spoken with a friend over the weekend, we were talking about the plan. I mean, the disparity between these records, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is like five games. Oh, that's a ton. That's yeah. definitely a ton. And it's, it's, uh, you know, the Grizzlies and the Warriors are, are like right next to each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. And it's, it's funny how it shook out, right? Because the Grizzlies and the Warriors are like a game apart. The Lakers are like tied with, 
the Mavericks and the Blazers. I think they're all 42 and 30, but they just, uh, well, you know, lost a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Spurs just comparatively have a terrible record. You know, it's one of those, um, it's funny, I guess like this is sort of the flaw of the play in, in the sense that like the Spurs really don't belong in, in, in here and the Lakers should just be in the playoffs. But at the same time, you know, I'm fine with testing it out for a season. You're fine with testing it out until, let's say, hypothetically, the Spurs win both these games. And then the Lakers are out and the Spurs are in. And that's an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we shall see. Um, We shall see. And uh, as far as – I guess we'll start with the Grizzly-Spurs game as far as my pick for that. Um, Man, because the Grizzlies are the way better team, but the Spurs have that Spurs factor to them. You know what I mean? You know, they have the experience – they have the Popovich factor. They really don't have too much experience with the players that they have, honestly. Um, but they sort of have that Spurs aura and they have the Popovich <laughs> thing, so um, which is very real. So I would say, man, it's tough. I'm going to say the Grizzlies, though, because I feel like they got good experience from playing the Blazers in the play-in last year, and I think that they're ready to go. And I think that they're a pretty solid team that's a, a decent notch above the Spurs. So these teams are kind of similar. I mean, they're, they're two star guys. DeMar DeRozan and John Moran are both guys that don't really shoot the ball that well. DeMar more for more from the mid-range, but both really struggle from distance. DeMar shoots 25% from three. Josh shoots 30% from three. And we saw in that Warriors game that the Warriors were completely sagging off on John and forcing him to shoot as opposed to living in the paint, which is what he's accustomed to. This is a guy that jumps out of the gym. Right now, the Spurs are, are uh, oh no, Grizzlies are favored by four and a half according to DraftKings. That's reasonable. Yeah. The, they both have elite bench units. They're actually both tied for sixth in the NBA, 39, point, 39 points per game from the bench. For me, it comes down to Ken Jacopotl and David, Devin Eubanks contain and limit Jonas Valanciunas. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but Jonas Valanciunas is actually Dude, having a problem. A, He's putting yeah. up disgusting numbers. Yeah. You know, honestly, so if the line's four and a half, it's one of those things where, like, if you ask me, Coin flip wise, I would take the Grizzlies. But if you want, if you want to know where the value is, it's got to be in the Spurs plus one sixty or one seventy, whatever they are. It's plus uh, one fifty five. But yeah, yeah around that. I think I think that's where the value is, honestly, because I think the game is close to a 50-50, maybe a 55-45. So um, you know, you, you maybe give that bump to the to the Spurs with the experience and the pedigree, and uh, you know, we'll see. But it should be it should be a good one. Yeah, so for me, I, I don't think I don't think the Spurs will be able to defend the paint. Jonas Valanciunas averaging 17 and 12 and a half, second in offensive rebounds per game, third in double doubles. I think like Golden State, the Spurs sag off severely on Jaw and let him shoot, but I don't think he'll be reckless with his decision making like you see from a Westbrook or a Marcus Smart for that instance, as opposed in in the event of anything but last game where I was giving him praise for that. And I also think that don't think that the Spurs have the shooting to match the Memphis Grizzlies. The Spurs have two guys that shoot over 36% from three that play more than 20 minutes per game. Meanwhile, the Memphis Grizzlies have three guys that shoot over 39% from three that play for play, play 20 minutes or more for this game. When you pick the Spurs, you're picking Greg Popovich and you're picking DeMar DeRozan. That, that's really what this comes down to. You're picking the more experienced guys, DeMar DeRozan, is that guy that you ride the hot hand and you're like, okay, this is the guy that in those big moments, he's the guy that we will go to and he will go get that mid range bucket. Greg Popovich will have that game plan to limit Valanciunas to limit Ja, and to force these other guys, maybe to hit those big shots or to just say, Ja, you can go ham. We're not going to let these other guys shoot and live and die by that. But my pick right now is Memphis, just like you. 
Yeah, going to be interesting to see who the best player on the floor is tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it DeRozan? Is it Ja? Obviously, it could be Valanciunas if he goes off. But uh, is it interesting Dylan to see is it... Probably not. It's probably <laughs> not Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's way too much shooting on on the Grizzlies team, and the fact of if I if I look at just the amount of shooting, the playmaking ability of Ja, and then you have these other guys down low, Jaron Jackson, who can space the floor well and play defense pretty well, and Jonas Valanciunas, who will bang in the boards, and just the depth, like the dump, the depth inside for the Spurs, I think, will be the huge issue because if Jacopoto especially gets in foul trouble, then I don't know who you rely on at that point to stop Jonas. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, all right, and now let's go to the premier game. The reason that you want to have a play-in tournament is for the potential uh, to have a game like this, you know, rekindling the Steph-LeBron rivalry, if you will. So, yeah, Lakers, Warriors. I know the Lakers are, I think, like five and a half, something like that, point favorites. Um, and, uh, you know, they're certainly expected to win and, um, what, you know, fascinating matchup. I, I've seen, uh, I've seen Steph's point, uh, over-unders like 36 and a half. So he's obviously expected to have a fantastic game. Um, the Lakers, a lot of question marks there. The Warriors sort of a playing with house money kind of season. So, um, yeah. What do you think? So, it's really, yeah, it's about can Steph go Super Saiyan? Can he be Goku and just go into that mode? Can uh, and will it even be enough for him if he does this? I mean, like, when you look at it, like, does he need what does he need to put up to win? Does he need to put up 50 and then shoot over 40% from the field and 50 no, th- plus percent from about, three? I think it's more about can a guy like Wiggins put up 20 or 25? Can a guy like Draymond hit a couple threes? Can you know, can, who, who can they have outside of Steph? Because Steph could even put up 50. But the team who wins is probably going to have to score 110, 115. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to get it somewhere else too. So, um, you know, like like the Celtics, even when Tatum put up 50, you still needed that 30 from Kemba. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's one of those situations where not only does Steph have to give you 35 plus at bare minimum, but then who else is going to perform? So um, because I think I think I think you know LeBron's going to have a good game. Right. Like I, I know he's I know he's shown some signs of mortality, especially with the ankle stuff this season. But I think, you know, that LeBron is going to give you a good game. He's going to give you at least like twenty five, eight and eight bare minimum, bare minimum. And, so, you know, AD, and, you know, AD is giving you like twenty eight and, and 14 against this yeah. against this Warriors team. Yeah, it is so true. It's a really a fantastic matchup for him because uh, you don't really have anyone to go against him at all. So, um it's going to be interesting, but I do think a lot of it's going to boil down to, you know, can Kuzma give you 20? Can Wiggins give you 20? You know, who's going to step up? Because there's three amazing players in this game, and there's a lot of other guys. So, you know, we shall see a super interesting matchup. Um, it's hard to pick against the Lakers. It's super hard. Honestly, honestly, not only am I going to go with the Lakers, but I also might recommend taking steps under 36 and a half because that is just absurdly high. It's insanely high. And I'm not saying he's not deserving of it. You know, I haven't seen totals this high except for when Harden was in that stretch. With the, That's with what the I was going to say. Like, yeah, last was, Jan- like last January. Yeah. Yeah. When he was scoring like 40, 50 a game and those were the highest I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and so it's just, 
I'm not backing a guy to score. He needs to score 37 for my bet to hit. It's just irrational. And I also think if the Warriors are getting smoked, they're going to pack it in because they have another game to get ready for. So, yeah, I'm going to say Lakers and Steph does not go nuclear as it were. That, that's a that's a good point about the the fact that if this is a blowout, they won't be keeping Steph on the court because they have that next game. We saw that with the Wizards last night where they took Bradley Beal and uh, Russell Westbrook out. Even when the game was in, at like 15 or whatever, like you yeah. you still normally, if it's a, a do or go, win or go home game, if they're in that Pacers-Hornets game, those guys are still out there regardless. And we saw that with the Pacers where the Pacers were up big and they took out all their guys and rested them because they know they got to win another one. And I agree with the Steph, or I agree with the idea of the Steph under on his point total, because if you look at Steph versus the Lakers this year, three games, 23 points per game, 5.3 assists per game compared to 32 and 5.8 for the year. He shoot, his shooting splits are really significantly down 42% from the field, 34% from three compared to 48% and 42% and, on and, the and year. And not only, it's not only that for me, I think, um, you know, honestly, Steph doesn't necessarily have a track record of being this guy who's going to give you 40 in a big game. He's really not that guy. I like Steph a lot, but he's not that guy. Um, it's also because it hasn't been a necessity or really in, in like ever. I mean, yeah. when in the past four years when they had – outside of last year, which was a lost season, they didn't even make the playoffs, and he was out for most of the year. Before that, it was like they have Durant. How many games are really that close? And how many games are you really looking at Steph? And you're like, you're the one guy that needs to put up 40. But even like, for example, when Clay goes down game six against Toronto, it's like nobody ever talks about how that was a close game and Steph had an opportunity to, you know, keep their season going. And I just feel like there's been situations like that. I don't necessarily think he's some like amazingly clutch guy. I think he's a fantastic scorer and a great player, but I think, uh, He's not, he's an amazing shooter. He's an amazing shooter, but he's not necessarily the guy I want shooting to save my life, if that makes sense. So, um, so like you're like Max Kellerman, you're going with Iguodala. Yeah, I'm taking <laughs> Iguodala now, but I, you know, I take a, like, you know, some guys shoot better in, in the moment, a guy like Willard, who I would want to shoot to save my life. And then some guys don't shoot as well as somebody like Steph. I think Willard is definitely more clutch than Steph. Um, and so, you know, with that in mind, I'm interested to see how he performs tonight. He's super, super interested. Uh, so, yeah, should be a great game. Really, I, really. I agree with that because when you do think of Steph, you don't think of like these these big time shots like you think of with Dame. You don't think of like the series clincher against Houston, the series clincher against the Thunder, just these game winners that's really become his calling card. You think of Steph with just these ridiculous threes, and not that Dame doesn't hit ridiculous threes, but Steph, you just think of these these half court shots that he just seems to make every game. Well, whether it's in the second quarter or the third quarter, it's never really those, those game winners that you normally see that he does have some like against the Pelicans a few years ago in the playoffs, mm. not saying that he doesn't have it, but obviously when you're that good of a player and you have that many opportunities, you're going to make some at some point. Yep. Just, it's, not in the, it's just not the focal point of what you think of with Steph. But yep. as for this game, for me, it's the Lakers size advantage with the Golden State Warriors lack of depth. Because outside of Kavon Looney, they have no centers that you can really throw at them. And the Lakers just trot out guy after guy, whether it is Drummond, whether it's AD, whether it's Montrez Harrell, all these guys. And also, I don't think Golden State has the firepower outside of Curry to overcome the disparity in the elite talent uh, in L.A. Because you're going to have to get – you're going to get at least 50-plus from AD and LeBron. The most entertaining outcome 
is Steph drops 40, Wiggins drops 30, and the Warriors win. Probably, but then long-term, you're just like, I mean, never mind, because the Lakers have another game, so they can still make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then their backs would really be against the wall. And then obviously you would hope they would win. That's the thing. It's like I want the Lakers to lose in a sense, but it's like, like I said earlier, it's like if, if the if the Grizzlies or the Spurs knock the Lakers out, that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we shall see. We shall see how it plays out. Fantastic game tonight. Absolute must watch. So yeah. 100 percent Honestly, for the for the season, this is the most this is I mean, obviously, because it's like winner goes to the playoffs. Yeah, it's but the like, best game of the season, no question. Yeah, because when you looked at all of those primetime games, there's always that guy, one guy that's missing. Now it's just everybody. It's everybody's out there. It's balls to the wall because you just don't want to play another game. You want to start resting and getting ready for the playoffs and not have to worry about one more game and what can happen there. Because, again, one game, anything can happen. All right. Let's – now that we're – let's do our top we're, – we're going to do our top 15 players – you know, we had some back and forth about the criteria. I think it's a bit of like a vague criteria. I guess the one thing that I sort of want to make clear is that it's I'm not just going to sort of list a player and say, oh, look what he's done in these regular seasons. It's, it's, more, so, it's more so about like who's really going to come through, what sort of players would you want on your team in the playoffs if you're trying to win a championship and they're like your best player, you know, that sort of thing. So um, I also thought know. of it – I also thought of it as – who would I be more like a factor of it was who am I most afraid of? If I'm going to post, if my team is going up against any of these guys, who am I most afraid of? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of this, a lot of this honestly is for me was based on like past playoff performance. You know, you want to reasonably view it uh, in a lens from the past while also like working forward to the future. Um, you know, with all that said, and even when I said, I know I said on the pod like a week or two ago, that I was doubting this guy. But when I actually sat down and did the rankings, it was hard not to have LeBron first just because, um, you know, it's like every regular season you talk yourself into all these other guys. But at the end of the day, it's, it's always LeBron. You know, he never loses to a, a, t- a team that's worse than him. He never, um, you know, he always shows up, rarely gets hurt, never hurt in the playoffs or anything like that. Um, and, and it's just sort of – it's just how could you not pick him until he proves until until someone else, you know, dethrones him in a way that you weren't expecting. I think it's one thing to sort of beat him in the finals when you have a better team than him. But uh, it, I just couldn't pick against him. Uh, I had the same per- same thing. And I'm a big LeBron fan, but it's still just to the point where it's it's not even like it's not even being biased at this point. This is a guy that was the finals MVP yeah, last yeah, year. He's had the track record. There's nobody that really compares to him because nobody's accomplished what he has in the playoffs just single-handedly, I think, compared to when you compare it to the rest of this list, just what he's overcome and the standard he's still playing at. I I get the age kind of factors in. It's like a 1% to 2% thing, but it's just a thing that's still in the back of my head that the fact that he's still doing it, the fact that he is coming off a finals MVP, a finals win where he went through the West and all this stuff. Uh, I'm not deterred by uh, the injury that he's that he sustained with his ankle. I think he'll get past it. He's shown that he's gone past other injuries like he did last year, and they went on to win the fi- win the finals. Yeah. So, so who do you have at, at two? Okay. So number two, uh, I have Joel Embiid. I, I think he's the most. I think he has been playing at an excellent level for years, and I think he's really taken that next step at this point. And I, I think I know who you have at two. 
uh, here, I'll say, who do you have it to? Yeah. So first of all, you're not going to hear me talk about Embiid for quite some time, honestly. Um, and, and so I guess I'll say, I guess I'll say most of my things about Embiid now is just like I said, the thing that I said about um, the, how I'm basing a lot off like uh, past playoff performance, you know, Embiid is sort of like Giannis for me where, where it's like, he's a fantastic regular season player, but you know, not only do I not know if he can do it in the playoffs, you know, I, I you're more likely to see him sort of like wheezing and uh, like heaving up and down the court than dominating in the fourth quarter, which is hard for me. And uh, not only that is that he's got the injury history as well. And, you know, I'm not penalizing him too much for that, but it's like, I haven't seen you be dominant down the stretch in a playoff game and, and win these games for your teams and fantastic regular season, no question. And including some super clutch moments in this regular season which I think are definitely important to pay attention to. But uh, yeah, for me, it's sort of a good regular season, but too many excuses year after year in the playoffs for me to put them to, even in my top five. So um, yeah, so for me too is Kawhi. I know, um, I know like you might get blinded by all the load management stuff. The, really the one, the really the one thing that you can say is that last year he kind of disappeared which is very fair because he absolutely did disappear in that series with the Clippers. But the fact is this is the only other guy other than LeBron in the last like 10 years or so, who sort of like will the team do a championship kind of by himself. I mean, obviously it is a fantastic team, but I feel like he was the last guy, you know, uh, uh, the last non LeBron guy since like a Dirk of 2011, who was just the clear best player on his team to win a championship. And so, um, and so, yeah, for me, you know, two-way ability, the way he turns it up in the playoffs, um, he's sort of unstoppable when he gets to his spots. It's, for me, it's Kawhi, second-best player in the league. So, for me, the Embiid thing was just more so he's played at that excellent level, and then he's just taking it up another step. I get the the point where it's in the past he's had that he's been out of shape, but right now we're heading into these playoffs. He, he isn't out of shape. This is a guy that's been consistently outside of that injury that injury period, he's been dominant. He would be the MVP if he didn't get injured. Obviously, that's a if, far-fetched thing to if, say. If, if Embiid has played the way he's played all season, and it's tough. It's tough because with the way, with how easy their path is, no disrespect to our Knicks and their potential first-round opponent, uh, or their first-round opponent, the Hawks, or you know whoever they may play, the Sixers may play in the first round, mm -hmm. is that um, to make the Eastern Conference Finals won't be enough. But if they make the Finals or if they – have a six soft so like it's got to be a hard fought six or you know seven game series with the with the nets or the bucks and he's averaging 30 plus and 12 plus then i have no problem throwing him in the top five i should see it um mm -hmm. so that's you know, I'm pro probably a bit low on him going into the playoffs but I, i'm of course aware that he can you know he's every ability to prove it mm -hmm. okay so coming in number three i have kevin durant and the reason why he's not number two is just I haven't seen it consistently since that injury. Absolutely. Since the injury, he's been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't been able to stay healthy for about a month straight. And I haven't seen the defensive, this defensive eliteness that we saw, the elite defensive play that we saw when he was with Golden State before the injury. Yeah, I have. I also have him at third for everything you just said. The reason that Kawhi gets the bump over me, over him for me, is that um, Kawhi won a championship with the Raptors. And it just, it's just a more impressive championship, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um because, you know, I mean, everybody's made their thoughts known on the Durant championships. But, uh, you know, I, it's really the injury thing. It's because there was, a, there was a brief moment in time there 
where you might have thought Durant was the best player in the league, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor since really since uh, the finals in 2000, what was it, 18? So 19, maybe. Yeah, I think 19. So, uh, yeah, so I also have Durant at third. So my fourth player is Steph. Um, fantastic regular season. The, the Really, like, the only negative that you have is what I said earlier, is that he's maybe not necessarily that big game player or that buzzer beater sort of kind of player, but uh, just a fantastic regular season, you know, excel at stuff about change the game and, you know, this and that. Um, did, did he actually end up winning the scoring title against Beal? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he, so. needed, he needed three points before that Grizzlies game. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, so for me, it's Steph been super impressed with what he's done with the Warriors this season. Very few players who I think could make the playoffs with this Warriors team. Um, so, yeah, I'll give it to him. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Hopefully he makes the playoffs because I wa- I love the matchup of a Steph versus uh, a Jazz or a Suns. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, yeah, most likely they would play the Jazz. And I think that would be a very interesting series. If if they lose to the, if they lose to the Lakers, they would play the Jazz yeah. if they beat the Grizzlies. I also have Steph there. Um, yeah, great regular season. He would probably – he – is probably third in MVP voting. He could possibly be even be first. You like, I wouldn't knock you if you said he's the best player. He, he's the most valuable player. The problem is that their team isn't as good as the Nuggets or the yeah. Sixers, but he's been all every bit as valuable as Jokic and Embiid, and probably maybe even more, maybe more than Embiid, probably the same as Jokic. The team is severe, so bad when he is just not on the court, when he's not playing. This team is. I, th- I forget what the, I think it's 37 and 29 when he does play his team is a, consistently wins when he's on the court he, the amount of the gravity he pulls towards him when he runs off a screen and both guys hedge up and it allows Draymond Green to back to slip the screen again easy layup like that's just these little things but then I also love heading in like I know it's not something you can quantify but just he's that guy that just gets hyped up for your team and I, I think that's just such a big thing like when you have these Jordan pools on your roster that are playing big minutes or Juan Toscano Anderson's who are taking these big shots. And when you see Steph Curry, just getting hype for you. I think that's a huge thing like to have, like when he, when Jordan pool hit a big three, a big step back three against the Grizzlies steps on the bench and he just comes out and he's just, he's just gassing everybody up. And I think that's a huge thing to have. Yeah, definitely. No, I think, uh, I think Steph has proved a lot this regular season. He has the chance to prove a lot more uh, in the playoffs. And honestly, they don't even have to win a series, but, but if let's say he takes the jazz to seven and he's averaging 40, show me a lot. I'd be very impressed. Uh, my fifth is this is really tough between my five and my six. I went back and forth. Um, it's almost a tie. It's really almost a tie, but uh, I'm going to go for five. I'm going to put Luca. I just, um, i just super impressed, man. Super, super impressed. He's almost like, you know, he sort of gives you some LeBron without the defense in the, in the way that he's just sort of totally carrying the team. I know the team's built around him, but it wouldn't be built around him if he wasn't as good as he is. Uh, ability to hit buzzer beaters in and in the playoffs, as we saw uh, against the Clippers last year with that crazy shot. Um, I guess the one thing for him is, you know, can he get out of the first round? And it's probably not going to be this year. But if you don't make it out of the first round next year, then we start to ask some questions. So um, with all that said, I got to go with Luca for five. Okay, so I have Luca a little bit further down than that. My five is Kawhi. 
Um, yeah. But for everything, you said, <laughs> for everything you said, it's just, yeah, that, that last year stings. That last yeah, year stings. And he's always been, he's always uh, like, that. that's just who he is. He's this quiet guy. He's this quiet reserve guy for this season. And you just don't really hear that much about him. He still put up monster numbers. I'm not yeah, I will to- say, I will say the thing about um like the Raptors, what the Raptors had is a Kyle Lowry, right? To be like the heart and soul of the team. Whereas like the Clippers last year, like, is it, is it Beverly? It's definitely not Kawhi or Paul George. So it, it wasn't really Montrez. So, uh, yeah, I do think he sort of lacks that leadership component. Like, that's a, that's a big thing for me. And yeah, I, as, I, as, I, as I've said with Curry, LeBron has that, Embiid has that, where it's this ooze of confidence. And it's like, okay, get on my back. When Embiid hits, like, those big threes and he's looking at the crowd and he's like, like yeah. Just give me some more. Like, you don't see it with Kawhi and that's not a knock to him. That's just who he is. And that's yeah. how he's gotten to where he is. But when you couple that with the fact that he was underwhelming last year, that they did blow this, it's tough. And it's not like a bad thing to be number five on the list when you have Curry, Durant, Embiid, and LeBron ahead of him. It's just where he fits in for me because I look for those other intangibles when I'm trying to separate these, when you're separating the elite guys. No, 100%. Yeah, 100%. There, there's not much that separates these guys. That they're, and uh, yeah, you need something like that. So, um, my six, yes, yeah, it's, it's so funny that you had Embiid at two because I'm like looking at him way down on here. And I'm like, what are the <laughs> but, uh, but I, I do. Mean, you'll, think, you'll see. You'll see with Luca where I have him. I, I think. I think that top, give or take ten players in the league, is super deep. So, um, you know, but I do think there's sort of a separate top four guys. I think LeBron, Kawhi, Durant, Steph are sort of like a clear top four. But it's interesting, and like I said, you know. Mm-hmm. The right performance in the playoffs from Embiid, he's right there. Yeah. So anyway, my my six is Jokic, um, MVP. Uh, hard to place in the difference between him and Luca. I guess the reason I put Luca above Jokic is the fact that um, I thought sometimes Jokic sort of disappeared in the playoffs, and Jamal Murray bailed him out, um, which uh, Luca doesn't really have the luxury of because Porzingis can't stay on the floor, and there's not really other players. So. You know, for that reason, I gave him the bump. But, man, Jokic is just phenomenal. Um, he can give it to you anyway. To, like, just fantastic. In the post, he's dominant. Uh, at the top of the key, he's dominant. Amazing passer, maybe the best in the league. You know, up there with it, certainly with, like, a LeBron or a Chris Paul or Harden. Um, can shoot it amazing. You know, he's shooting, like, 57 and 40 or something ridiculous like that. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Improving on defense. Um such a big fan of his outside of the MVP bet, which was obviously amazing. But uh, you know, I bring it up like once or twice every time, but uh, especially when we're talking about him. But yeah, you know, for me, Jokic six is, and could be five. I also have Jokic six, and for me, it's it's the fact that yeah, he has steadied the ship. He has shown the ability to be that one guy, and when. Jamal Murray went down you thought this team was going to tumble and that was going to be the end of his MVP run but no he stepped it up yeah and kept his team was MVP. yeah exactly kept him at the three spot they are I mean yeah they're four games out they're tied with the Clippers but to still have that three spot when you're missing your second bet your clear second best player and they I mean Michael Porter Jr. is nice and then and then they have just a bunch of guys there and he's through his passing through his playmaking and the fact that he is Changing the way that bigs can be looked at in the league, I think, is a huge factor in this. Where I, I'm surprised you have, might have him over Embiid is the fact that defensively, I'm not a huge fan of him. It's not that he's bad. He's around average, maybe slightly above it, while Embiid's elite on that end. 
Jokic for me has shown me in the fourth quarter of a playoff game that he can sort of carry the load. And uh, I also think um, I feel more confident running the offense through him, honestly, because um, he, he gives you more. Like if you just do the numbers on assists, like assists are two or three mm-hmm. plus points, he's giving you more points per game than Embiid. Like because Embiid might only be getting four assists and Jokic is getting like 12 mm-hmm. or eight or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just think he's more valuable, especially on offense, and he's been better down the stretch. And real quick on the Nuggets, I just want to say that if Murray comes back full strength next year and then Porter Jr. benefits from this experience as the two option, I might be picking them to win the title next season because they're looking at a fantastic big three. Mm-hmm. And they still have ammo. They could still go out and get somebody. They have all their picks. They have all these things that they could use to then trade for somebody to add to it. So I definitely yeah. can see that. Um, I'm wary about the Murray part of it, but yeah, no, that if, if he is, then that that's definitely not a bad bet to have because this is a team that when I look at, when I look at the ranking, when I look at the standings, this is a team that really outside the Lakers and maybe the Clippers is the bet would be the best team going into next season. All right. And so next for me, so I guess this is seven, seven now. Yeah. I'm going to go with James Harden. Um, he can do it as a leading scorer. He can do it as a distributor. He could do it as both. For as much as people rip his playoff failures, the fact is he made it to the Western Conference Finals at least twice, if not three times, um, as a member of the Rockets. You know, Thunder stuff it was pre-prime, so it's not even really worth bringing up at this point. At this point, it's been like 10 years. Yeah. He was on the Thunder. But, uh, you know, Harden – Harden is that guy, man. He's that guy. I know, you know, maybe he's not the guy you want in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, but uh, you, you want him for the whole regular season. And you definitely want him for the first three quarters of a playoff game. He's a fantastic player, um, carries a massive load, you know, comparatively to a lot of these guys. He does it all. And, uh, yeah, I got to put him there. I got to put him at seven. I also have Harden. Um for everything you said and the fact of like, when you think of like the playoff failures, I mean, they went to the Western conference finals and they were one game away from beating the potentially best team of all time. And he's, he's the catalyst. He's the orchestrator. If they don't go over 27 from three and, or Chris Paul doesn't get injured because of his hand or his hamstring doesn't give out on him, that team is probably going to the finals that year. And then, then you're talking about, what the hell Durant Kyrie uh, Durant Curry and Clay and Draymond not making the finals over this over this Rockets team and the fact that he's able to seamlessly come into the Brooklyn Nets and just to really take off like take off where he left off and yeah, the fact that proves- he's just able to work with somebody just hand in hand his facilitating his scoring all that it just it just proves for for you know detractors that say he's a ball hog that he really can fit in anywhere you know as long as there's other talent around him you know he will be that guy in Houston if he has to be but he can be that guy in Brooklyn if he has to be so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he fits with those other guys in the playoffs and that's, um, and that's what you all you ask for from your guy like from your star players like if you we need you to go get a bucket you can go get a bucket but if there's other guys around you you don't need to be that guy that, that just handles the ball the entire time it's, it's funny how we've had a lot of the same guys at the same spots, and yet I haven't listed Embiid and haven't listed Luca. So um, Embiid soon, but not yet. My number eight guy, Giannis, um, t- two-time MVP, uh, you know, doesn't a lot of times doesn't show up in the fourth. Although I saw a couple of things in some regular season games this year that made me think 
that down the stretch in these playoff games this season, it, it might be a little different. Um, I also think he's durable. He's a fantastic defensive player. Um, and, I, you know, I'm really going to have to prove it in the playoffs this season. But, uh, yeah, I think I think this is a bit of a do-or-die year for him. A, a bit of a uh, – um, a bit of a just – like, questions are already being asked, but it's going to be – you know, imagine they lose to the Heat in round one, an absolute disaster. So I think anything short of taking Brooklyn to six or seven is kind of a disaster. So, um, you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe for the last time, in one of those fool me once, fool me twice situations. But, uh, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have me. I have him at eight also. <laughs> um, for everything you said, and then, yeah, his defensive prowess, his ability on the offensive end to really just dominate the paint. I mean, it's it's been what it has been the, in his entire career for that point. And it, this is it, this is a do or die point where he can't have what they had against the Heat last year. He can't have that meltdown. They can't be just this straight up domination from one team against another, um, especially a team that's inferior. If they lose to the Nets in seven, then it's something that's at least justifiable. But this is a team that has all the pieces around him, I think, that is necessary for if he's really that great to take the next step. And for me, it's really the inability, like with everybody that I show that's above him, they're able to shoot the ball in an effective way. For most of them, they're able to play two, they're two way guys, but if they're not, they're elite on the offensive end, both shooting and just facilitating. Giannis is really, he's gotten better at facilitating, but it's not to that point, even close to that level. He's still dominant on the offensive end just because he's so physical. He's such a physical freak, obviously the Greek freak. I know I'm going a little <laughs> off the rails there, like really grasping at straws there. Um, but yeah, I'm not, re- I'm not ready to put him in that because like Harden, he hasn't reached that pinnacle point and not saying that Embiid or Jokic have, but he hasn't with Embiid and Jokic, I've seen them take it to another level this year where I yeah. can say, and I can point to that and be like, okay, this is something that's changing. And Giannis has already set that bar and still not reached that point. So it's hard for me to put him over those guys. Yeah, I think I think Giannis and Harden have a lot in common, even though they play totally differently. It's just the sense that, like, when the game tightens up their game, uh, it really takes it. All right, well, I guarantee we don't have the same person at nine because here's where I have Embiid. Um, fantastic look, fantastic season. If, if you became a top five player based on what you did in November, he would be there. But, uh, you know, you don't for me. Um, and uh, it's just – it's hard to get those images of – like, truthfully, I don't want to say he's choked in the playoffs, but it's more like he's, like, fizzled out than choked because it's just sort of, like, repeatedly he's just – he's having these solid performances, but he's it, – it's just – I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just like you look through. It's been a few years now, a couple times against Boston, the time against Toronto. It just uh, he hasn't proven that he's a dominant playoff player that he can recapture that regular season form in the playoffs. He hasn't proven that he can play like 36 to 40 minutes in the playoffs. Um, and he hasn't proven necessarily that he can. Yeah. You, you know, for for what I just said, really. Um, and despite all that, you know, what a fantastic season, arguably the most dominant player in the league um, and can do it both ways and has shown ability to hit clutch shots this regular season, which I didn't necessarily expect, you know, step back threes and crazy stuff like that. Um, if he if he makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, you, you have to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then you have to perform well. And then you'll see him shoot up above a guy like a Harden or a Giannis and, and he'll probably find his way into my top five. So definitely agree that like, 
especially given their track, like what they, when you look at the playoff standing or the brackets right now, the fact that they don't have to go through Brooklyn or Milwaukee, they should, they, they need to be in the Eastern. No excuses. No excuses. There's no excuses there. Um, My nine is Anthony Davis, Um, both two way, just, we saw him just dominate in the finals leading up last year. I think the injury that he had going into like throughout the season really watered down our thought process on him because he was, he was a guy that was talked about in the top five of players in general at the end of last season. And then he got injured and other guys stepped up Jokic and bead all these guys, these other guys stepped up. Harden has stepped up in a different way, despite his early issues but Anthony Davis is still an absolute freak and probably a top five talent in the NF, in the NBA at this point. He's two way. He's able to shoot the ball. He's able to handle the ball. He's an absolute freak. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much I can really lift him up though over these other guys. Cause when I look at really, yeah, Harden this year is a, a different story because he's not maybe the main option, but every single one of these guys above yeah. them is the number one option. Exactly. On the team, and that's the tough part with him. Um, and Davis, as a number one option, was like a fringe eight seed, mm-hmm. right? So um, was it was that though because Davis can't be the one, or is it that the Pelicans roster wasn't a roster that could really sustain somebody being a one outside of like a LeBron? I, I don't think that their peak was much higher than the year that they were like the six seed. Remember when they were the six seed and swept Portland, and that was like with Drew mm-hmm. and maybe with like Rondo or. Who you know, whoever else, yeah, yeah. Know yeah I think Rondo was on that team though. Yeah, I think so right. I think that was sort of the, their ceiling with Davis as a one. I think he's a fantastic two option. He's a couple more spots down for me, but uh, okay, to round out the top 10, and it's funny how I was praising this guy compared to Steph for being a clutch player, uh, Dame Willard. And you wonder if they were switched, like what the teams that they were on were switched throughout their career. Like, what if Dame had been in Steph's shoes and Steph had been in Dame's shoes for the whole career? It wouldn't be that far-fetched to say that Dame would be my fourth-best player in the league and that Steph would be my 10th-best player in the league just because um, I think, you know, Steph's been in a way better situation. Dame's been in this weird situation where his best player, his second, his, like, best teammate is another ball-dominant guard. Um, it's not a perfect fit. Uh, they're never really a true contender. Um even when they made the conference finals and got embarrassed, but it's, it's Dane. I mean, this guy can shoot from 35. He's literally closed series out with buzzer beaters, which is super cool. Like so sick, honestly, to do that <laughs> twice, um, twice. Yeah, exactly. Under underrated athlete. Um, dominant. I guess the one thing that probably could stop him, the reason that he's only 10 and maybe not five is that if his assists could get up to like eight or nine, um, you know, rather than I'm assuming that they're at like six. And I think if he could get up to like eight or nine assists per game to go with his 30 points per game, then I think he could, uh, you know, shoot a bit higher up because there's not really anything he needs to prove to me as far as playoff performance. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to put him much higher than he is, but I do think he deserves to be a top 10 player. I also have Dame. <laughs> um yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting the Curry the Curry Dame debate because they play in the same I think division also, but conference yeah, they met sure. the, they've met in the same playoffs. They are in the same geographical area. They play the same position. They're similar types of players. All these different things, so it, it's very easy to compare them. 
with Dame, I'm not sure if he would he would have the same success as Curry. That's obviously a, a great debate that you could have for days on days. For me, it's, yeah, the clutch shot making. It's the fact that he's the alpha. He's the clear alpha on this team, and he has been for years. There's really – CJ's ni- a nice player, but when you go through, I mean, I got five guys as an honorable mention. CJ's not even – CJ uh, wasn't even – CJ's not even an all-star, honestly. Yeah, so – when you when he has to carry that load year after year, and it's not even like their third options that great, like Nurkic or Covington or Mello. I mean, it's probably Nurkic, but it's not like he's getting these. It's not like he's getting even like an above average third option or above average. Four, I mean, probably an above average fourth option. But the second and third options aren't there. Uh, the problem I can't have with Dame over there is because he hasn't had the winning, but he also isn't that guy on the defensive end. And that's also the issue with CJ. Like you were saying, they're both ball, ball nominant guys sc- score first guards that don't play really great defense or solid defense at all. Yep. All right. Um, my number 11, one of the most underrated players in the league, Jimmy Butler. Um, I wanted to put him in the top 10, but it was hard to put him over any of these guys, but I just, uh, you know, look no further than the finals last season. He's one of those guys where, like, the the, the three-point percentage in the 20s deceives you because when he's shooting it in a playoff game, you kind of think it's going to go in. Um, I think he's someone that you have to look past the box score, even though the box score isn't bad. He's sort of like a like 18-8-8 and kind of guy. Um, sort of do-it-all, dominant defender when he has to be. Um you know, everything you said about the leadership stuff earlier can be applied to him. Uh, just, yeah, uh, really just super well-rounded player, the type of guy that you want to be the leader of your team. Um, I'm really interested to see the Heat do in the playoffs. Um, honestly, in some ways, I kind of wanted them to be in the 4-5. You know, as a Knicks fan, of course, I didn't because it would have meant either we played Milwaukee or we didn't play Atlanta. But for, like, the, here's the thing. The Heat are clearly the fourth-best team in the East. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a rough draw for that, right? Um, for Milwaukee or Miami, what a difficult road that you have to make the finals. Yeah, right? three, three, straight, three straight really tough series. Yeah, so four, four, because you have to win you go to the finals if you get there. But the thing is, but the thing is, man, like the, the, he could get swept this season. I'd still give the benefit of the doubt to Butler just off what happened last season. So, um, yeah, you know, put him 11th, wanted to sneak him in the top 10, couldn't do it. But, uh, yeah, really like him. I think it would be a stretch to put him in the in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, just he he hasn't taken that he like he very great player, uh, a guy that has shown the ability to be the one. Obviously, last year on a team to that makes the finals as weird of a year as it is, but he hasn't he hasn't taken that next level up that these other guys have. Mm. At Eleven, I have Luca. Um, there he is. Yeah. He, he puts up all the stats, and that's obviously in large part because the guy has the probably the highest or second highest usage rate up there with Trey Young, and that leads to him putting up these stats. You obviously have to be still really good to be there, and that's why he's at 11. But they haven't had the playoff success that I had hoped for, and he doesn't have the defensive side of the ball that I, I look for to facilitate. Oh, this The defensive side of the ball where I look to kind of have that average to above average when you have that playoff, that playoff experience or that playoff win lacking. Um, this is a guy that's up and coming and should be in the top 10 as soon as maybe next year. Um, I don't expect him to have the playoff success this year because I don't think they'll beat the Clippers. If they do, then, you know, I'm going to have to revisit this and Kawhi is going to go down and Paul George is yeah. going to go down. 
Um, Paul George is going to be kicked off the list. Yeah, yeah, and banned. Um, (laughs) Permanently. (laughs) Yeah, permanent banned. Um, But, yeah, this guy, he's the future. He should be in the top five within the next couple of years. But this isn't the year, and I – I wouldn't feel right putting him even over Dame at this point because Dame has shown the ability to lead his team in playoffs for years, for the past few years, despite the fact, yeah, Porzingis hasn't been on the court and hasn't been effective really. But I mean, Dame has that same issue where it's like the players around him aren't really, aren't really elevating him as much as you'd hope for, for a playoff team or a guy that has, that's a superstar like him when you compare him to the other guys. Yeah, that's definitely fair. That's honestly definitely fair. It's uh. Like I said, like, I think there's a clear top four. My top four is LeBron, Kawhi, Durant, Steph. And it's like four through 10 or 11, where it's like really, really, you know, could go any sort of which way. Um, All right, my number 12, Chris Paul. Um, Now, it's sort of another guy like Butler, where if you just look at the box score, you're going to say, how is this guy here? But it's just the ability to go to all these different teams. And, you know, I know the Suns were 8-0 in the bubble last year. But if you think without Chris Paul, they were going to be any higher than like a six or seven seed, probably playing tonight, honestly, in one of these games. Like, you know, that's what he does. That's what he brings. Um, the Thunder last year, right? Like, the like, it's no mistake. It's no accident that they're as bad as they are this year and they were as good as they were last year. Or that the Rockets were better with him than they were with uh, Westbrook or that. You know, the Clippers, once they got rid of him, they went down for a couple of years. You know, it's just sort of he's that guy. He's like a mini LeBron in the sense that, like, you get him on your team and you're going to get a lot better regardless of whatever else is going on. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've just been super impressed. The, the thing is, the one thing that sort of stops him is just the injuries and the lack of playoff success. It's so tough because he's such a great player, but it just hasn't shaken his way. Some his fault, some not. Um rooting for the Suns this year, but I don't see it, especially with the likely matchup against the Lakers. Um, but yeah, just, been, you know, I think he deserves to be in this top list. So I have him at 12. So that's the first guy that you put on that I don't have. Mm. And I, it's not that Chris Paul is like right there. If it's 16 or 17, he's there. Yeah. It's just for me, 12 is Jimmy Butler for everything you said for me, the leadership, the fact that he's just a dog. The fact that when you go out there, he doesn't need to put up that 25 or 30 to feel that he's making an impact on this team, even on the defensive end where he's solid and very good. It's the fact that he runs the offense, but he can look to pass and he doesn't, you don't see him as that passer. You don't see him as that guy that's really a facilitator, but he does. And he's that guy that is completely fine with letting other people get theirs. And I think that's such a key thing to have for a a star player. That's more than willing to let the other guys eat and let him Mm -hmm. let his stats be affected by it. And I think that's such a problem for defenses and other teams to kind of game plan, because it could be one night where he goes down and he's like, you know what? It's Tyler's night. Like let's feed him. Let's feed Duncan. Let's feed bam. And then the other nights he'll be like, this is mine. I got this. Yeah. And then it was like, what was it, game three of the finals last year where, where you know, it was necessary that he did it himself and, and it was an amazing performance? Mm-hmm. No, I com- and I completely agree. Uh, yeah, and then just the leadership stuff, the stuff where it's like he sets the tone. He sets the tone for his team. You know that this guy is not taking plays off. He's not taking nights off just willy-nilly. Um, 
and this team would be the four seed probably if they didn't have the COVID and injury issues they had in the beginning of the season, because we saw in the second half, this was a dominant team just all around. Yep. All right. Um, my third team, Anthony Davis, definitely. Here's the thing. I never thought he was a top five player. So like, so it's not like I'm dropping him from like five to 13, but it is like I'm dropping him from like seven or eight to 13. I just don't see him as, as a number one option anymore. I see him as a number two option, a great number two option, but I, uh, I don't know. I just I, like, you know, I watched the finals last year and I thought Butler was the second best player. So it was hard for me to put Davis above Butler. I don't think he's the same defensive freak that he used to be. Although, you know, he, I just, I don't think he's that guy that he used to be still a great defensive player, but you know, I, he's not that get six blocks a game out of nowhere kind of guy anymore. And I don't know if that's because he's going less hard on offense because, or sorry, less hard on defense because he has to carry more load on offense, but you know, whatever it may be, um, I just uh, for a couple of reasons, I sort of had to drop him a couple of spots. And then before you know it, with how deep the top of the league is, he's, he's outside of your top 12. So um, really looking forward to seeing how he performs in this playoffs where it's going to be another hard one for the Lakers. And uh, even tonight, even tonight, you could prove me wrong. He score 40 tonight and prove me wrong. I just think uh, too many nights where it's like AD quote unquote went off and it's just like 30 points and like eight rebounds or something like that. It's like, like that's not that's not what a top five player does. Top five player gets like 40 and 15, which I don't see enough of, but we'll see. It's funny when you say like not like he used to be, it makes <laughs> for me, I just point to, like it comes across as like, is this guy like in his 30s? I mean he's 28. Well, it's funny when these guys when these guys come into the league one and done, like this yeah. guy's been in the league forever and he's probably still like 27, 28. Yeah, um, he's 28. Yeah, and he's been in the league for like this probably like a ninth year in the league or something like that. So uh but yeah, you know, like I think about that that Kentucky, that fresh out of college AD that was getting four a game, and he's not that guy. He's still, you know, it's funny I say that, and meanwhile he was like the runner up for defensive player of the year last year. But I uh, just, um, I don't know, I just don't see him as that dominant uh, defensive threat anymore. Still a great defensive player, of course. But. Yeah, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Um, for me, thirteen, I Bradley Beal. Um, despite what happened last night, I, I think that he is far from the issue with that team. I think he is a guy that could be the one B or two a on oh, a championship team because of his ability to score efficiently and well, just both just really any way you want him to. And the fact that on defensively, he's solid enough. I mean, he was playing, he was going to Tatum as well as I thought you could really could have on a, on a bunch of possessions and Tatum just had better offense in that one. Um, and he's shown that he can carry the load and for a team that, yeah, the wizards, the record's not as good as you thought, but like when you take off that first chunk of the season where the, it's like, you're just getting used to it. It's a weird season. They had COVID issues and they, you see how they finished and that, and he's the one guy, the guy, the number one guy on that team. I think he's a guy that can in a better situation, be somebody that elevates into that tier. And I think he's right around this Jimmy Butler, Luca tier at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah. Bio is one guy that I don't have on mine. So uh, 14, Paul George, give him a, give him a chance, give him a little more chance here. Uh, you know, 
every regular season, he's amazing. And every playoffs, he disappears. But I, I don't know. I'm a Clippers guy this year. I think they're going to win it all. So, uh, you know, man, prove me right, Paul. Come on, Paul. <laughs> prove me right. That, you know, that's really all I have to say. Great two-way player and all that. So I have him at 15. Um, yeah, great two-way player. The the playoff shortcomings are, are just something that's going to hamper and continue to push him down this list. Um, he, he needs to prove it. Like like a bunch of these guys, whether it's Harden, Giannis, Embiid, all these guys, it's just it's more glaring with him and the fact of he hasn't really been the number one option on these playoff teams and he still has kind of cratered in is why he's not maybe why I give the benefit of the doubt to Embiid or more so Embiid, Harden, Giannis, and they're still in my top 10 as opposed to him. At 14, I have Kyrie, though. And yeah, he's my 15. Yeah. So, wow. Very close to our, our list. 100%. Um, Kyrie, 50-40-90 guy this year. He's been super good when he's played. Obviously, the two week, the two sabbaticals he needed to take are inexcusable. But this is a guy, when it comes playoff time, has shown the ability to put up numbers. I mean, he he's a clutch performer, like we talked about with Damon. We, we talked about Luca. And I'm weary to put him there just because we haven't seen it lately or the past year or so, because these other guys have are more prevalent in our mind. But this is a guy that can still get a bucket whenever he wants. He's still one of the he is probably the most crafty finisher around the rim that we've ever seen. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's why he's at 14 for me. Yeah, th- I, yeah. So we haven't flipped. Uh, now nah, I agree with all that. I'm gonna be interested to see. Just gonna be interested to see what the Nets offense looks like, you know, in the fourth of a close game. Sort of like who's getting the ball when and all that thing, all that stuff. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's the big point of like, if I had to look at, if I had to pick now, I'd probably pick the Sixers to to make the NBA finals at this point out of the East. If I could pick any of the three teams, because that's just a glaring thing that I think you need to figure it out by the playoff time. And the Nets haven't played well, played together enough to really have that. And you have to go through this tough sketch. They have to go through Milwaukee. They have to go through the Sixers and then they have to go through whoever comes out of the West. Uh, yeah, that's just a huge, that's a huge point that I think, when you don't have those reps in those crunch time moments, you don't know what you're really doing. They can talk and talk, but you can talk about it. But what if it's Kyrie's night or what if Kyrie and Harden are doing well? Like, who do you go to between those two? I, I get you can go back and forth, but I mean, when it comes down to that last possession, what the hell are you doing? It was tough to keep to, like, as I was watching Tatum last night. I'm like, damn, like I didn't put him on my list. Like, yeah, do, I, do, I, do, do I need yeah, to? But like, I was like, I, I can't because this is heading into the playoffs. This isn't it, taking it would be, account. It would be an night. overreaction. It would be That's a classic it. overreaction thing to throw him there. But he did make my honorable mention yeah. with our boy Julius Randle. Yeah, I had him, Booker, Mitchell, and Chris Paul. Chris Paul, the the one, then Tatum, then Mitchell, Booker, and Randle. Yeah, was, there, yeah, Booker, Tatum. Um, Mitchell, uh, Beal, who wasn't, who didn't make my list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of guys who could easily get on there with a fantastic next season. So I'm trying to think, did you have anybody on there that, no, I don't think we had anybody on our list that wasn't in our honorable mention. Well, Beal was not, Beal would be like, I mean, how many honorable mentions are we allowed? You know That's I mean? true. That's true. If it was a top 20, Beal would probably be like 20. Maybe yeah, like 18, yeah. Like I have five honorable mentions because I don't think there's that big of a drop off. I mean, Randall, I guess, would be the 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 maybe the big drop off because he hasn't done it in consecutive seasons. Yeah, as like these other guys. But you know, Nick fans kind of let us have one. And then even a guy like Levine, like if you're gonna put uh, like Booker as an honorable mention, then like Levine can sneak in there too. 
I mean, well, we're doing head in the playoffs and the Bulls ain't in the playoffs. Yeah, not wrong. And, and that's that's the big point of it because, yeah, they added Chris Paul and props to him for being, I guess, the difference there. But Booker's been money throughout his entire career. And the fact that they're – it's not like they just made it in the playoffs. They're the two seed. And, yeah. like, pretty pretty handedly, like, they were one game – the difference between them and the Jazz are one game. And then the difference between the, the Suns and the Nuggets and the Clippers, who are tied for the three and four seed, was was five games. So or four game difference between the Suns and those two teams. So it's not like they were just they kind of made it in. And the disparity between him and Levine, Levine's just not in that same in that same conversation for me. Fair enough. But that's gonna do it for us today. Uh, we'll be back next week discussing the opening games of the playoffs. Quickly, do you have any bets that you were looking at? I mean, you're the Jokic guy. So do you have any bets for the first round series? Uh, well, like I said, I like the Steph under tonight, the uh, under like 36 and a half or whatever. Um, nothing really grabbed my attention as far as like series odds that I loved. I, uh, I, maybe if the Bucks win game one, then I'll take a look at Miami, but I thought the odds weren't good enough there. Um, I don't know. You know, I'll probably take the Knicks a couple nights, but I don't really have anything in particular. How about you? I, I didn't really love the series lines. I did like this one. It's, the Bucks to beat the the Heat four to two in the series at plus four hundred. I, I think the Heat win a couple of games, but I do think this Bucks team they've made the the necessary changes to their team. I think Drew will be such a key factor to them. This is a guy that, like we talked about with playoff prowess, this is a guy that has been to the playoffs multiple times. He's been in big series, and this is a guy that on the defensive end will show up every night and make life difficult for Jimmy Butler and allow Giannis to not have to worry about him on the defensive end. Yep. So that, that, that'd be the one bet for me if I was going to take one with the series lines. But, uh, well, yeah, we'll recap everything that we saw from this past weekend, the playing games. We'll talk about LeBron and Curry, what that happens with that game. But uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you, guys. Bye.